and welcome back to The Ruck. We asked today if this is the first podcast of the post-Dylan Harley era. We also asked today Brad Shields, is he really the man to save England? And because we are not scared to ask the tough questions, we, are, we asked Mark Evans, when do we all get to go and stay with him in Cornwall? So yes, I'm joined again by Mark Evans. Hello, Mark. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, last time Mark was on the ruck, we spent so long on his intro that we didn't have any time for uh, conversation. Uh, in short, he is the former boss of Saracens, Harlequins and Melbourne Storm. And of late, more significantly, he played a crucial role in the stadium for Cornwall, which finally got the green light last week for funding. So it's all Cornish Pirates. Here we go now. Mark, that's a brilliant week for you last week. Uh, congratulations. That's a fantastic night. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, a long, long road, but did very, very uh, satisfying in the end. And uh, hopefully we can uh, get the damn thing built now. So the thing gets built. How long till Cornish Pirates genuinely, possibly uh, could challenge for the Premiership? Because that's, well, that's really the question. I mean, that's really all down to, to the, a second phase of investment. I mean, this is possibly the way they should have done it this way around, you know, build the facility and then invest in the team. I mean, I've never known a club do it, renting a stadium. I think everyone knows now that model. Um, not many models do work, but that one certainly doesn't. So the Pirates have actually done quite well to come along later, seeing how many mistakes <coughs> so many other people have made by losing all this money and decided to do it smart. Well, they've lost a fair bit too, but but to be fair, the gap's big now. So who knows, in, in two or three years' time, and maybe they'll, they'll be in and they'll have a look at it who knows what the uh what the system will look like now i don't think anybody can uh anybody's entirely sure well good to have you back and will Thanks. you be happy to do the rest of the podcast in your cornish accent oh i'd be fair i'd be happy but that's more somerset in it <laughs> okay nice, nice. beam me up scotty <laughs> um also a popular return for recent recruit chris jones of the sunday times and numerous other titles uh who we worked out last time chris did we not agree that you were approaching your fifth decade as a rugby writer cool. i certainly was i told you, you know, that push chair that was Put on the side of the pitch that the Nazareth has sevens in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. It used yeah. to be great, didn't it? It was fantastic, yeah. actually. Yeah, and the first, you know, the first tournament I did, mm. a bloke's life had to be saved by a watching nurse who pulled out a pen and flipped the, blo- the bloke's tongue back out of his throat. It was, uh, it was marvellous. Um, easy intro, actually, for the here. piece. Actually, actually easy, easy but the, the, we were discussing this earlier. You have been doing the job for so long that you actually saw Mark Evans next to you playing, I literally did. playing, well, quite a, literally playing. How disappointing for you! I know it was, it was when. <laughs> and, uh, talking about massive stadiums, it's when Mark uh, you know, got all the ideas for these new stadium by playing it uh, in North Road. London, yes. in, in, where there was a rabbit hutch of a stand, yeah, wasn't well, there, from, Mark? From, so from, it was fantastic. From, from well, little, it was a good little, game for rabbits, wasn't from it? From Little Acorns, Chris, from Little Acorns. Absolutely. If only you could have done something, especially keeping the, the, the dog fouling off the pitch was another major uh, yeah, factor, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit of a myth, that one, but yes, fair enough. Okay. Now, now, now you two. Fair now, comment. Now. Uh, now, the sharper-eared among you will already recognise that this does not sound much like the women's rugby special pod that we promised last week. Uh, neither was this podcast made available as per weekly on a Monday evening. Uh, that is largely due to health issues, Brexit and the royal baby. Mm. Uh, the world, it seemed, plotted against us uh, yesterday. But as the great, great Greek philosopher Steve Jones once said... If you can't pod on a Monday, we'll just do it on a Tuesday instead. For this week now, uh, we just had the Champions Cup semi-finals. I was in Dublin. I've seen Leinster uh, beat uh, Exeter Saracens and Scarlets now, and they are a phenomenal force. Uh, uh, Anyone disagree? But are they? Has this been an absolutely vintage Champions Cup? Do you feel? Does I it... like it. So you're just saying that the opposition have been rubbish. Well, no, I just don't. Think... If you're going to say, you know, are Leinster you know, one of the 
great teams to have got into a final, then yeah, they, they might turn out to be a, a very, very good team. But when you look at some of the great teams that have won this competition, yeah, I know you can only beat I know you're gonna say you can only beat what's in front of you, fine. But And they you know, haven't even won a final yet, so we're jumping ahead yeah, of ourselves. But they're very uh, but if strong a team favorites. like Rassing who who are showing us a brand new way of playing rugby, which is you win a game in 10 minutes and then spend another 70 minutes trying not to play rugby and just running around being negative, then, yeah, fine, it's a very interesting Champions Cup. Look, I love European Cup rugby. Yeah, I loved it when it was Hurricane, actually. No, but do, was, okay, so, Mark, do, do, you think it's been, do you think that it's been a, a, a slightly lower standard competition this year, as, as Chris seems to be suggesting? Um... I'm not sure. I, I, th I think Leinster are a really very, very good team. We can say that Saracens and Claremont, who have been the standout teams for the last two or three years, have both had average years, so that's sort of taken away. But two. they've also had a shed load of injuries, haven't they? I mean, you look at those two teams. If you want an example of two teams who have been absolutely decimated, then you've got them, haven't you, Mark? It's just yeah. been, it's been very difficult. I, I, and that's taken two of the strongest teams out of contention to, to a degree. And one of the other really strong teams, Montpellier, didn't really fire. And I think they probably have to win the top four team first before they they really turn their full focus onto Europe. Yeah. And this is a tough thing to say, actually. But the way, and I don't think this is a bad thing, but the, but the way the Aviva Premiership is set up uh, with 12 really quite strong teams, certainly down to 11th, um, mitigates against a really dominant European team coming uh, to the fore. I mean, we from think, England. yeah, from England. I mean, Exeter are a really good side and they play in a very similar way to Leinster. Leinster kick a bit more, but, mm. but when Leinster want to play the way Exeter play, they can play that way too. Mm. Really good in the red zone, you know, Lots great continuity retention yeah. in the last 10, 15 metres. But Leinster have got so much more, and, and Exeter have got a lot of depth for the Premiership, but Leinster have got depth for, for European competitions. And I don't want to make it sound like an apologist for the Premiership. They can rotate players a bit more. I mean, that's a different argument whether you should be doing that in, for the good of the game. But I think Leinster are a really good side. But I don't think they're definitely going to win the final because Racing... I think the story of the weekend is, the, is, the, is this is the start of the revival of French rugby. We saw a bit of it in the Six Nations. But the starting 15 for Racing were fit with 12 French players. Now, that mm. hasn't happened. That didn't happen in the great Toulon sides. This hasn't happened since Toulouse bestrode Europe, you know, in the early part of the, uh, this, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, because you're right. Yeah. We're used to the French being the ultimate checkbook. Yeah, uh, barbarians clubs, type yeah. team. And then, not you look, there's 12 French Qualified players in the starting fifteen: Rokokoko and, uh, and Dan on the bench, with, along with Swarzewski. I mean, that is a hell of a squad. I think they might win it if they play the right way. Whereas Scarlets, who've played some sensational rugby, and it's been a joy to watch, just never got there. A horrible phrase in it, terrible cliche. Didn't get their game on the pitch. Well, they didn't they get just a couldn't. chance. You, you... Nah. You, afterwards, we were saying, well, who, who, whose fault was it? Or who played badly? Who, who could you point a finger at? But they just didn't even get a chance to, to have a go. I think what's interesting with, with Leinster, and, uh, you know, he, he's had a rough time with it, but the stuff that Stuart Langs has brought to them in terms of the minute way mm. he looks at, at preparation, he knew the sort of defensive uh, pattern that Scarlet's were going to throw at Leinster. He's seen it before in English rugby. He's now more aware of those stuff. He, can, he gets his message over very, very clearly we sat through a number of his presentations he goes into the 
nth degree. And I think that's helped Leinster, if you like, deal with things better. They are much more of a complete package now. And so I think, you know, Racing could win this if they play for yeah, 60, 70 minutes. But what will happen is that in this time now up to the final, Leinster's fantastic forensic look at what they're going to be facing will be great. So you need, to, to beat that, you need the French to come out with some of that special play that they can do, well, that, that Teddy can do off the cuff. Yeah, and that's, except that's that they've the way. got the power. Teddy Thomas. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. Say, he's, I mean, he's like your friend then, First name. I mean, we can do first name in terms of all of these. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah are so close. Just, yeah, he's obviously Welsh qualified, but he he is a sort of player who you you know you can expect something that will really catch the lens defence out because he can do things that you know, you you pay big money to watch. Yeah. Well, in fact, you pay big money to have him in the team. But you know, Leinster will come at you and come at you. And Did come you see you. Jordan Lama trying to step his way wow. around about eight players wow. in one go? I, I mean, mean what for goodness' footwork. sake! I mean, but I think the big difference is both Munster because no one's talked about we haven't talked about Munster. Yet. Yeah, but Munster and Slashley looked to me seriously underpowered at that level. Yeah, uh, and I think that uh, I'm uh, yeah, absolutely. Nothing, and 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 this is one of the things I suppose I I don't I'm not sure I quite like this about the game as it is at the moment. At the very very highest level, it doesn't really matter how quick or skillful or innovative you might be because nobody could accuse any of the Scarlets of not being any of those three things. They've been terrific. They just got completely overpowered, but with a with a real quick line speed and an outside press. And if you haven't got the power, then if a team does that to you to go through the middle, and they didn't, you got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. You, 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 it's like mm-hmm. when Saracens a couple of years back, when they were at their peak, which they may well return to, teams in the Premiership couldn't do anything. They couldn't go through them, and they couldn't go round them. So then you end up kicking the ball to them and then you lose the possession battle. And I think Racing's great difference between the, in the final will be they are as powerful man for man as the Leinster team are right through the team. I'm not just talking about a couple so of So then we'll have to see guys. a different a different Leinster then because they or can't play Or you'll have two play teams playing exactly the same way and it'll just be a real oh dear. slugfest, yeah. and real power game and who's going to win the collisions. It's going to be, I'm, I'm going, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be... Uh, so are we taking a bank loan out then? I'm uh, I'm an observer because I'm helping with the Newcastle in 2019. Uh, oh, not uh, another game. one. Oh. So you know, it's just, it's yeah, work, yeah, but, yeah, fingers yeah, in work. pies. How many you got? I love the way you two and I don't rugby. like anyone else getting a free. You've been in rugby for a long great. time, <laughs> but the prices being charged. Oh, in hotels, it's just oh, terrible. Look, do you know how what can they you are? do this to rugby? Rugby supporters suffer all you know week in week out watching the team. Great news, you got to the final. And by the way, you know that mortgage you were going to take out for your son's house and daughter's side. Can you actually change it into a few tickets in a hotel? Yeah, but the good news is that when we go to Newcastle next year, Mark's going to sort out some proper pricing for everyone. The rugby authorities can't control the hotel prices. And and if you take it to relative... Unless you want the finals played in London and Paris all the time... It's very, very difficult to control that. It, and, and, and we all know how difficult it is to stop tickets going on the secondary market because what happens is people buy tickets way back in the day hoping their team will get there. If their team doesn't get there, they sell them onto the secondary market. And if it's a if it's a really popular game, the prices go sky high. It happens in international rugby as well. Technically, there will come a point soon where you'll be able to do something about that. But at the moment, it's very, very hard to do because... Um, you know, it's 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 we misprice tickets, don't we? I mean, people will pay five hundred pounds to go and watch 
a game. Yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm if you've got that sort of income, I'm, I'm satisfied that you're gonna, that you'll solve this for next I'll year. I'll solve it Newcastle. by Newcastle. Yeah, okay. But listen, can we just hold that thought a sec? Because because I don't know without maybe without meaning to, we've said a couple of interesting things that we need to go back on and read. Oh, I don't, no, seriously, it happened. it happened. It did happen. It did happen on this podcast. Can you play the tape back, please? <laughs> Mark, you said that uh, a twelve-team Premiership doesn't set uh, an English team up to uh, to win Europe. Explain. Although England have got more players than any other country, uh, even than France, yeah. although France have got more a bigger audience in terms of people who follow the game, um, that allows it to run a national league that only France can do. Nobody else in the world of rugby can run a league in, in a single country. The, the, the market just isn't big enough, or the population isn't big enough. So Wales, Ireland, New Zealand, Australia, you know, you, you know the drill. To make that league compelling, you have to have an uncertainty of outcome amongst the tw- as many of the 12 teams as you can. Mm-hmm. Now, that means that the talent is spread more evenly across 12 or 11 or 10 teams than there is I thought, in I thought that's where we were going. four teams of Ireland. Or even, you know, all, mm. I, mean, I know Connacht won the Pro <laughs> Without an artificial one, yeah. NFL draft. Yeah, Without it, you know, yeah. and, and the market does that to, to a degree. And, I, and I, you know, you've heard me being quite critical of the way that um, we're organised in England. But nevertheless, that's, a, that's one of the good things about it. Whereas, it, it, ironically, in a smaller country like Ireland, you know, population 6 million, a big sport now in Ireland, you know, I'm old enough to remember when it wasn't, they are able to direct their playing resources, and there's no doubt about it. Talk to anyone in Ireland; they have they have concentrated largely on Len on Leinster and Munster. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, partly that's political, with with players who less so now, but certainly traditionally, a lot of players from the Republic didn't want to go and play in Ulster for a whole mm. variety. And Connacht was seen as a and Connacht was seen as a development side mm. yeah but so, your point is that they've got they, they they put their resources into into fewer teams and therefore yeah, they're stronger and therefore they have but they have more depth they are able to rotate people more and more control and, in every and, way and, and also so, to so, be fair they focus far more on the i mean i've never worked in ireland and i'd be really interested in that God, how, seriously we've found somewhere you haven't yeah, had a job yet how how many stadiums do they need how what? keen are they in winning the pro 14 I mean, is that a really big priority? I, I thought it was really interesting this week. They talked about when we lost to the Scarlets in the semi-final last year, and, and, and we learned a lot from that because we tried to go around them and we couldn't. So this year we went through them and, and, and that we played them a different way. I also wonder, you know, they were really up for it. Do they get as up for that as they do in a in a Pro 12 final even because certainly the English clubs I've heard them refer I, I, to Europe as sorry to the Pro 14 as the secondary competition well, I, whereas you'd never hear a premiership side that would you I mean there's an interesting question ask most people who play for a premiership side in England would you rather win the European Cup or win the premiership I think you get a split. So and when you, you were boss of Saracens and Quinns, and the yeah. same in the top fourteen. When you were boss of Saracens and Quinns, which um, did, did you balance it at all, or did you just try to win everything? Back in the day, with with Saracens, a long time ago, that the European Cup wasn't nearly as big. In fact, the English club didn't play in it for a couple of years, so that it didn't really it didn't really come up. Profile wise, it's changed. You it's need changed. to win the you, and, win the, you need to but, win the European Cup and, now. And now with um, with with the English side in the Premiership. I would say it's it's pretty close. I think if pushed, people would say, oh, I'd love to win a European Cup. But winning the Premiership is really important. That takes most of your attention. And also, you're battling to qualify next year. 
you know, you're, you're battling to come top four, you're battling to come top six. Just go back to your, to, your, to this 12-team premiership. Mm. If you were to redesign the thing, and we have these conversations, yeah. we, we, so let's not do it. Let's not no, do let's too not much. Do Take out a but, comfy chair. Here it goes. If you had a blank sheet of paper, how many, t- how many clubs would be in the premiership? If you're going to stick with an English league, ideally 10. Well, I'd have th- I thought you were going to go eight, actually. I thought no. eight would be more ten. concentrated. Ten would ten would be. I ten would still I give do. you enough of those weekends you need, wouldn't it? Yeah, but, but the question of a, of, a, of a pan-European league would be fantastic. Can you imagine that if you could get that going? What a wonderful league that would be. Chris Mark just Mark also just said that we were witnessing the revival of French rugby. Yeah. And Sorry, England... have you been to Montpellier lately? Well, that's the revival well, of South African rugby. Cook, isn't it? They don't cook French food anymore. They just have a constant braai available. <laughs> exactly. And um, is, is is the is the breakfast of choice. So you, so you're not buying into the into the. Uh, France are back theory. No, I think France have recognised <laughs> far too late that it went too far one way. And, and they say, look around for these young players coming through. And, you know, Stade Francais tried desperately to hold on to that, to keep players in, because, one, it's cheaper. And, you know, I think it's a, something that Saracens recognised very soon, wasn't it? You couldn't keep on a revolving door of bringing in lots of players. So you bring kids to the academy. And there's been some fantastic academy talent. I think it's taken much longer for France to recognise this now they are. They can see the real benefits. Well, of now it. they're legislating, aren't they? They're actually yeah, forcing yeah, yeah. the clubs yeah, to do it. They've had to do that because you know the owners have come in and said, "I want every sort of all black who's, who's thinking of coming on holiday to to, to Europe," and yeah, you know, and you end up with that brilliant team of of Toulon in two thousand uh, you know, fifteen. Yeah, you know, when they, you know, they were a phenomenal side with you know Gitto and Habana and Bakis Botha. These are fantastic world names. Lobe. Yeah, it's great to see them play in Europe, but try and pick a French team from that, and you've got problems. Uh, but just 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 with that, that eye to the future, and um, and the pool of death, and, and and that conversation for the World Cup. So England and France are in the same group, um, and for the last two years, you'd have thought, well, that's a that's an easy uh, fixture. But yeah. but you you we're all shaking. There hasn't been now. a single World Cup, when you said that, Owen. You okay. couldn't well, have said that. that, that was, there was, a, there was a, la- a lazy use of the word. I know, because we have, won't do that again shambolic this before every World Cup. And they turn up. I am no more shambolic than 2011, you know, where they didn't even bother with the coaches. They got themselves to, you know, to the final. It's, yeah, it's something played, about they France. Didn't play they didn't game. And it's been a it doesn't long, matter. It's been they, a long, they, long they can do it at World Cups. It has been a long, long time since a French-dominated French club side got to a final. In fact, I'm, 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 I think you've probably got to go back to the. Didn't I know Toulouse, Toulouse won, in '96? Toulouse won three very early mm, on, yeah. and then they won. I think won in about 207. I, I mean, I've got the, the, the that's I think there was slightly a, there was wrong. a key we had a '96. But it's side, at so. least ten years. <clears throat> it's at least ten years, and is there? A, there is a correlation. It's not completely exact, but there is a correlation between having a very, very strong club side. Look at Leinster's a good example in Ireland who can provide the core, Saracens do it for England, who provide, and Scarlet do it for Wales, who provide the core of your national team. Mm. And I think Racing, if they continue with their current recruitment policy, maybe for the first time in a decade, you may have a team in France doing that. But but the England revival under Eddie Jones is your example completely, because it was a Saracen side with with others... Yeah, a, a dominant side dominant is, is side. sometimes very bad for the league, but very good for the national team. You don't need all 14-year teams being full of French guys, right? But you need some of the good sides. You don't want to be dragging all your players from, with all, you know, oh, that horrible phrase, with all due respect, from the, from the likes of 
Brieve or uh, Agen. Yeah. Oh no, Bordeaux. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but they're not. They're not the Toulons and they're not the Racings yet. No, they, they've got this. Yeah, like England doesn't, yeah. take, England doesn't yeah. take players from Irish, Worcester. No, you, they don't. Newcastle the should whole. do more. On the whole. Okay, like we, we need to move on. No, we don't need to move on, but we're going to okay. anyway. We're going well, you're to. Well, in charge. Uh, well, like, in theory. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, late afternoon, it was announced that Dylan Hartley was going to miss mm. the England tour. And the Royal Birth. Two big announcements. So this is his umpteenth concussion. I don't think anyone can possibly know how many he's had because... Don't uh, ask him, he won't remember. Th- this, is, it, is this the end of Dylan Hartley for England? Is this the start of an, entire, an entirely new era? Do we think he's going to uh, spend the summer recuperating and fight, fight his way back in the team? Or do you think that over the course of three tests in South Africa... Uh, presumably, I'm guessing Owen Farrell, but uh, happy to be corrected, will take over as captain. And probably Jamie George will step forward and take his opportunity to claim that hooker's berth. Well, in the era we live in now, the age we live in, uh, he's gone. Uh, Dylan's gone to Instagram and announced, I'll be back in true Arnie uh, style. Uh, of course he wants to be back. Of course he's got the massive support of Eddie. Uh, he is Eddie's love child. He <laughs> embodies everything that Eddie wants in his squad. That hard nose in your face, and he take and he handles the, the other players really well. He's he does that job off the field really well in exactly the way that Eddie wants it done. On the pitch is a totally different matter, and we are going to be uh, watching very closely uh, who they take. For example, Jamie George, I think, has been classic, has come off a Lions tour, and is not the Jamie George that went on the Lions tour. I completely so you can argue agree. that Jay, Jamie could, 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 could do with a break. But he's not going to get a break now. He's got to go. He's the experienced hooker. Well, so you he take Cowan Dickey, and you take Tommy Taylor as well. Do you get those three guys out and see what fast-moving? You know, ball-carrying hookers can do compared to what Dylan does, which is incredibly technical. Um, of course, like any player, you'll say, I'll be back. To which my response is, perhaps. Um, yeah. And I don't mean that from a selection point of view. I mean that from a medical point of view. Um, he's had an awful lot of head injuries. over um, In a relatively short period, he's had three serious ones, you know, weeks and weeks, months in some cases, in about four seasons. That's a lot. Yeah, and yeah. and and I mean, my first concern is for his, is this for the fellow. I don't know, um, but the fellow's health, you know. And I hope if there is a risk, somebody will take him quite and say, "Look, mate, you've had a great run, but you're only what? Is he turned thirty? Yeah, he's turned thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety-three okay. caps. Um, amazing career. Look, you know, you've got a you've got probably fifty years to go, and you know, you do not want to be uh, taking. This is too risky. Let's assume that's not the case. Let's hope it isn't. Um, is it the end from as England captain? I think Owen Farrell will obviously take over. Um, I don't know whether he was planning to not take him this summer, but I think he's he's, he's, well, he's have to now. He's going to have to take him now. He's a natural skipper. He's a leader. He runs the team anyway, and tactically. Um, I mean, I play him at ten, but that's a different debate. I think that Dylan comes back. He may well play a role a bit like John Smith did for the Springboks. And you know when Bismarck Duplessis was clearly the best hooker, mm. uh, but but John Smith brought so much more to the party, and the worry for that is, I think, is you can only probably carry one these days in the modern game. We come back to Leinster and Racing for the weekend. You can probably only carry one technical forward, uh, maybe two, 
everybody else has got to be able so to you carry. Think he, you think he might fight his way back into the team? I don't think so, beyond the realms of possibility, no. At what, at what point? If, well, if, I, think you, you, I think you'd make the World Cup squad. Yeah, I think Well, I've written in the, the Times squad. today a very wise piece saying that I think he'll go as third choice. Okay. Well, he might. Who's because your other two? There were people well, there's applauding a good scrap actually, while they were two. reading the piece. I must say, mm-hmm. Owen, it was very impressive. People were applauding while they were reading it. Was, <laughs> it, it was, it, it was, it was interesting good. when but I got on the London Underground Japan. this morning, actually. Uh, your people... point about the Japan captain was well made. It was like the if dark, only it was in like, the last paragraph. It was, it was like the darkest hour, was it? They all stood up and applauded <laughs> in the carriage? Or, no? it, was, okay. it was indeed like that. Mark, so as someone who's run a team, yeah. if you have a player who is not clearly the best in his position, but he, for whatever reason, the coach feels he should be yeah. in the squad uh, for cap- for leadership, captaincy mm. or tactics, mm-hmm. tactics or whatever. At what point do the rest, of, do the other players feel uncomfortable about that? Because if you have a Jamie George or Luke Cowan-Dickey who plays outstandingly in South Africa, surely the teammates, even if they don't, even if they're not going to come forward and say to Eddie, we're fed up, this isn't right. No. But they will instinctively want those those players the, in the, the team the ahead team, of Dylan. in my experience, are often the, the last group that turn. I mean, you guys turn a lot quicker. You guys, as in the media? Yeah, yeah. because you're more objective and you're not, you don't see. And better looking. Yeah. No. Well, well, uh, and, and you well, don't, you don't understand see the dynamics, some of the, the dynamics, dynamics and the real value people bring who've, who've got those roles. Mm. I mean, I think the interesting thing now is, because I think if Dylan can play again, he will be at least, he'll be back in the squad. Don't Any Eddie has got this great um, sort of belief in his, his, his strength. Um I think the interesting thing is whether Luke Cowan Dickey goes past Jamie George. Uh, if you're going well, on at the moment, he's got a great chance. Form, of. he's the best hooker in the country in the Premiership, and I know that international selection is yeah, but not you, you, just you, about. You've got to acknowledge that that he doesn't hit the darts too well. Uh, you look at the number of lineouts you have in a game. Yeah, now, it's not as influential it, as it used to be. It's not correct. as influential as it used to be. And the guy is a power athlete, and he carries with venom, and he breaks lines. And I think it'd be really interesting. Jamie George, who is a terrific fella and a, and a very talented player, he's not having the best of seasons. He might go to South Africa. He'll get the start because he's earned that. Hmm. Um and actually that destroys a team more than what you said. You know, if you've got a guy who's been number two and a really loyal number two and has put, hasn't put a foot wrong and suddenly he gets his chance and you don't pick him, that'll, that'll do yeah. more to destroy team morale than, than, than the, the first example you gave. So I th- I'm sure he'll start. I'll be really interested to see whether he comes back as the pre- premium hooker, the premium hooker, because at the minute... I think Luke Cowan-Dick is playing better. There is, there is something else into this about going to South Africa because of all the positions you're taking to South Africa and you might be a little bit suspect, <coughs> Hooker is not the one because at the moment, my, my favourite mark since Groucho is playing absolutely brilliant rugby at Hooker. Mm. And yeah, Marx is a phenomenal athlete. He does the things. If you had an England hooker doing what he does, we'd just be going, this is the most fantastic forward you've got. Ball carrying. So you're Jacqueline. talking about Malcolm Marks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, yeah, he's Groucho's grandson. Yeah, it's, it's a really fantastic <laughs> combination. He has, he has the ultimate skill set for an international hooker at the moment. And you could argue with Coles being terrible, you know, we don't know when Coles is ever going yeah. to come back. Yeah. He is the one. But a head-to-head between those two is in terms of international hookers. You then start looking at, well, the England hookers are good, but are they really at that level? 
and they're not. But, you know, we don't know. Tommy Taylor has had that terrible injury. I just saw him coming back whilst he played really well. He's got that ability to get over the ball. And when you don't have people getting over the ball, like uh, Coles of Leicester, you know, Dan Cole, Dan Cole is not doing what he used to do. So, therefore, he's not really any point having him in the team if he's not going to jackal because he's too scared of giving penalties away then you need somebody else in, in that pack in that front row who is going in there targeting the ball getting over it strong like Marks does and winning it because you know if, if Dan's not doing that for Leicester and the number of penalties he gave away means he's stepped back from that role I, I you're think losing a player to do that you can't I, I, mean, I like agree with you but more. I think and, and at risk of sounding a bit like Eddie Jones here just because Malcolm Marks is brilliant over the ball doesn't mean that England have to pick a hooker that can do this no, no, no there's no, another player no, who's I, competing I, I, in, a, in an yeah, area where yeah, England it, have been absolutely yeah. and, and awful no, and no one's saying that and in the sense that you can't suddenly oh you got, it's not fantasy rugby you pick it's about the balance. You pick the from the players you've got, and that's a difference between club, it's about recruitment, national teams, it's about selection, because you've only got a certain group of people who are who are qualified to play for your country. Uh, this is where I get slightly um, flummoxed, I suppose, when it, it, it's we talk about how many kind of conversations and pieces have been in the balance of the back row that is so outdated mm. it's not the balance of the back row anymore. although I wrote my last one five years it's, ago so it's that, that's good then, it's it? the yeah. balance of the pack the whole pack not just the back three of it so you, have you got enough ball power ball carriers yeah. have you got enough tackle sort of competitors and do you have enough mobility for them to do both those things and that's you know so it's you things like you know, you look at, again, I'll just use England as an example. You've got some people around the squad who are technicians, and they're really good technicians. Dylan's a terrific technician. Dan Cole, I mean, gets mm. a lot of criticism. He's a terrific scrummage technician. Mm. George Cruz is the best um, line-out technician in mm. England. Chris Robshaw is an all-round brilliant. Richard Hill doesn't make mistakes. Closest thing to Richard Hill I've seen since The Great Man. Would you ever put those four in the same pack? Where's your carry? Yeah. Where, where, where's, where's, where, your four, where's, four, your, where's your four carries? Where's the, your four clearers? The balance is just yeah. wrong. Um, and so we need to try, and no, we don't need to, it's just more accurate, to, to get a, an analysis of, of the whole, well, actually, you use the bench as well, the whole 13 forwards rather than, oh, is he a blind side, is he an open side? All that. It just, just doesn't work like that anymore. Look at the lens. Look at look at the two teams that we've been lauding at the weekend. Now Nianga played eight. Mm-hmm. Now I remember him as a tear away open side yeah, for Desier yeah, yeah. way yeah, back he, in the day. Then he went to six and did a brilliant job there. Now he's eight. It doesn't matter. Well, it's a bit just, of Sam Simmons And Sam Simmons is a good yeah. yeah, it's a good example. It's okay. about balance. But so, so all right. So we're talk- on on this whole pitch of how the England pack could look well, at what stage do we introduce Brad Shields or do you feel that's not yeah, the thing to do, yeah. do anyway you take Honestly, this one come I, on I, I made a load of jokes last time about you know departure lounge at Auckland Airport was being overused I mean it's it, oh. Brad Shields yes he signed for, for Wasp fantastic he's been really good taking over from Haskell do we know that he can play the way he plays the Hurricanes at test level well of course we don't because he's not exactly. done it so you're going to take him and throw him into a test series where England are going in zip three down after the <laughs> after the Six Nations. They could be zip six at the end of this and decide, well, actually... Well, I don't know if he's going to start, but, but, but Eddie does want to take him. him. You don't fly him in just to say, oh, just take part in a few training sessions, see if you're any good. 
because he's got oh, a big well, problem you, at six. Would, they have a big take problem him at six. Have, have a look at him, but clearly if he's taking him, there's a big chance of him playing him. Yeah, if you're taking that sort of game, he's got to be in there to be in your team. Because what's the, what's the, what's the argument against taking him? The argument against taking him is, do you say to, to, to people like young Willis and Wasps, do you take it to Dave viewers, do you take these guys who want the opportunity, who who, who, you know, who deserve an opportunity? I mean, Willis and Wasps has been fantastic. Is he going to, is he ready? We won't know, but what a great place to take him and find I, out. I would hope that he would go as well. I mean, what the, what is the argument against Brad Shields? I mean, I actually don't see the argument against him, apart from I haven't seen enough rugby that he's played to, to tell me that he can do it. But I, I don't think there is an argument other than selection. I mean, international rugby or any international sport is not about deserving to be picked. It's about the job of the coach is to pick the best squad of the players who is available. If Brad Shields is available and he qualifies for England, which he, he, does. he, which he does, um, and I'm assuming he can get released from the Hurricanes because of the, the whatever, mm. then Eddie is it is beholden upon the coach to to pick him if he thinks how many they're taking thirty six or something. If he's well, in the best thirty, if he's in the best thirty six for whatever reason, he goes. And I, I don't. Look, we're going to have another really interesting conversation about eligibility, and I'm pretty mm. radical in that one. But at the moment, you play by the rules as they are, and he's t- he's he's as eligible to go as Chris Robshaw. Okay, all right. If you yeah. if you were if you're ready, you you're taking Brad Shields. Now you two are allowed one other one other pick of an uncapped player. I'll take Nick Shonard at Worcester. Oh, really the tight good tight head. Should have gone to player. Argentina. He's a good player. And okay, he, yeah, he was in the squad for Argentina, wasn't he? Yeah, he got injured the day before hand he left. Injury, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know Durban born, South Africa under 20s, uh, done his time here under the eligibility mark. Yeah, you're right, yeah, he qualifies. Yeah, he does. But good player. I've seen he's him a, a number player. of times this year. And They're a different side when he plays. Yeah, when he's a tight head, he's, yeah, and he does, other, he, he does stuff around the pitch as well, which you need to do. And he would have the right medal actually. But, would you, go but out you're going to take Sinclair and you're going to take Williams. You take him as your third. I mean, you, you, take, you take three, you leave Dan right, behind, okay. and you say, right, come on, let's see. Williams, if you want to do it, I like. I really like the look of the entire extra front row in terms of what they offer you. Yeah, I do too. And, yeah, and, and you know, Sinclair can ball carry for you. Sean, if things get a bit, bit meaty and you need, you need that tight end who's just going to get in there and not move and just, you know, look at them and say, come on, have a go. I mean, he's your, he's your boy. He'd enjoy that. Go, yeah, go, go the other guy, the only other name I throw in is, is Gary Graham. Who is he a dog? Is he a dog of seven? Can he play that dog style at international? Give him a chance. I mean, turns up and trains for England. and gets out, put out for about two months due to injury. I mean, if the, if the guy is what Eddie thinks is a really doggy seven to really get in, his there comeback and game out. a week and a half ago was outstanding, wasn't it? Yeah, well, give him a chance, Mark. I don't think there's anyone who's uncapped. You've you've nailed the one. I I, I might I'd have to think it through. Um, I can't think. So many people get capped in Argentina last summer and, and, <laughs> and, and various things that I don't think they're an uncapped player. I, I can't. One doesn't immediately spring to mind, actually, that I would genuinely take. Well, this that would get it. I'm not sure. I know it's no, early. No, I know it's early no, for no because I'd, I'd take Armand and I'd take and I'd take Simmons and I'd take. Uh, I, I, I actually sure. did. I take this. The other, I did this the other night, and my back row got filled by people who were already capped. So, no, I wouldn't, although I think he's a super mm. player. Um, and I don't like this. Well, actually, I don't think it helps very much just to throw in a load of untried players. I, I, I just don't... I don't think he'll throw in a load, but I, just I think don't, I just he's don't still looking it. for... 
He loves to have a look at people, doesn't he? He's, yeah, yeah. I mean, and Willis, to, to, I mean, I, I've seen him a couple of times. He's been very good, but there is a bit of man of the moment about him. Uh, he hasn't sustained it over. Well, it's like, it was like Jack Clifford from two, three years ago when everyone said Jack Clifford, you know, that great under-20 side that won the World yeah, Cup. Yeah. And you look at the number of players who've come through from that team, and Jack Clifford was a standout of a team of standouts. And now he's been injured all the time. It's a real problem. It just... It, 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 it's people coming from a long way back. That used to happen a, a long time ago. It it doesn't happen that much. Do you two not want to see Dan Robertson in the squad? Um, I just don't think any of you know, Dan's having a really good season, but I don't think he's. No, I don't think he will. Ahead. He's done I, I, doing everything. You can make the same not, argument. Not ben Spencer has played really yeah, well for Saris yeah. come on. He's got I, that I think he's more likely. Well. I think yeah. only rates him more than them. I, I yeah. think for the game England play, um, it's nothing. I just think it's just a style thing. I think Spence is more likely to go than um, than Robson. Yeah. Okay. Um, just a a, uh, a look ahead to the weekend. Uh, one massive game at the weekend uh, or Friday evening. Uh, Leicester Tigers Newcastle. So uh, the the most influential game of, for for the outcome of the top four semi finals at the moment. Yeah. Got As be. the table looks at the moment, uh, it's at it's at Welford Road. Mark. Yeah. Fifth against fourth, Mark. Well, I, I mean, until last week, was it last week? Not not this. When Northampton won there, when Rob Hall unfortunately got injured out of the game, um, I, I'd have thought Leicester were absolutely nailed on to win that, um, and I think they probably will. And Newcastle have had a great year. Um, so Newcastle they, in fourth at the moment. Yeah, Leicester I, I, need to beat them to. I think Leicester will. I do think them. Leicester will win at Welford Road. If it was, if it was at Kingston Park. On a Friday night. I think know. I might have gone for the Falcons, but <laughs> I think home advantage, yeah. Mark, how impressed have you been with what Dean Richards has done with Newcastle uh, over the years, but particularly this season? So you were the man at Harlequin to appoint to Dean Richards, yeah, so you've seen a lot of him, yeah. you've worked very closely with him. Yeah, you can't, you cannot argue with the man's record. His, his record as a club coach is second to none. Um, he won four titles with Leicester. And two Heineken Cups. He came to Harlequins uh, as we got relegated. He was already signed a contract, so he was coming whether we went up or down. He had a, a he would say himself that he had a great year where he could do sort of experiment and sort of like looking at players under no real pressure. Came back in, and then within three years, we came second in the Premiership and we're in a Heineken quarterfinal. We all know how that ended. He's gone to Newcastle and taken a side that were perennially 10th, mm. 11th, never quite went down, did they? Or did they go down once? I can't no. remember. No, 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 no went down. They always hung Got in there, very, very close a number of times and has, without spending huge amounts of money, the budget has gone up, but nothing like to the level of some of the competitors, um, has turned them into a really competitive side, difficult to be, very physical, know their role, great role clarity amongst the players, which is a, the, the, the number one job of any coach. Do your players know what that you're expecting them to do? And is it clear in their heads? No, no showboating superstars. Just, just, he's good just team. got a good coaching panel. He recruits good coaches. It's one of his, he's a good recruiter. Mm. He recruits good coaches. I think Dave Walder, you can see that the, the, what he's brought to the table. Um, he in, I know he's enjoying himself up there. His record as a club coach in the Premiership 
has got to be second to none. Chris, it, it, if, I've Chris, seen quite a bit of them, uh, Owen, this year, and I think at this moment, I think there are a couple of players short of a squad I, long I, enough to sustain it. Yeah, I, I agree. I've seen the last two weeks. I've seen them. They, they, the last couple of weeks, they've they, they've looked tired. That offloading game, which is so good, has had too many errors. And they had to play last weekend as well. Yeah, yeah Leicester have had a week yeah. off. Yeah, they, they had to go to Gloucester. But, you know, Chris, if, the, if, um, if uh, Dean Richards had not uh, got stuck in the whole Bloodgate thing, do you think he would have... We're talking he's, got, about, he's got more to answer than just Bloodgate. I mean, he, he led us into this blind alley where they've been searching for, for head coaches and directors of rugby <laughs> want to call a role with England. It was his. It was his... What, the, you're saying the England job He would have his. taken over. Yeah. He would have been the next one. And I know, I know Mark is very much aware of this, that they really wanted him. And he would have solved a lot of problems that have, have cropped up since then about people who patently weren't ready for jobs being given them. So it's all his Dean thoughts. would have come in, he would have, made, he would have made some significant changes to the RFU to ensure that he got, he got what he wanted in terms of people he could talk to and control and, and people that write coaches. And it would have been great. So it's your fault, Dean. Yeah, the road not travelled, I suppose, isn't it? Um, so, so we agree that um, English England rugby's problem is uh, is down to Dean Richards. Absolutely, um, and I hope he holds his hands up. <laughs> with that exclusive revelation, we will bring uh, this edition of the Ruck to a close. Uh, thank you uh, very much for downloading and listening. Uh, we have a pledge to bring the uh, Ruck special uh, on the women's game next week with Stephen Jones. Please tune into that. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.